0: What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 57 of the Emulsion Podcast. My name is Justin Khanna. Today's guest is Brent Herrick, food photographer extraordinaire from New York City. He's incredibly talented at not just capturing food and drink, but telling stories through portraits and fantastic action shots of that kitchen life. His list of clients includes Eric Repair, New York Times, Food & Wine, Bon Appetit, Anthony Bourdain, and Parts Unknown, Daniel Hume of Love Madison Park, Gavin Kaysen, and so many more. In this episode, we cover a myriad of topics from things like working for free, using industries like music and fashion as your inspiration during your creative process, uh, actually finding and leveraging that creative freedom, Uh, his favorite meal in New York City, chefs he's always wanted to shoot for, and most importantly, we talk about why you, yes you, even if you're on your first day of culinary school, should be thinking about marketing yourself in some way, shape, or form. I got a ton of inspiration from Brent when I found his Spoonfuls of Inspiration series at Staple House Restaurant in Atlanta, and from there, I just reached out to him, and I wanted to do this interview, and I was not disappointed. We talk all about that project, that Spoonfuls of Inspiration project as well, and why Gray spoons are bullshit. And, but in all seriousness, I sincerely hope you folks enjoy this interview because I genuinely uh, took this interview as an opportunity to ask Brent some questions that I'm personally struggling with. And if at any point you want to check out Brent's stuff, it is linked down below or on justincana.com podcast. This is also the first time I ever did a Google Hangouts interview. Brent actually suggested it uh, through that collaboration effect. And it was really cool because we we were able to pull up some images from his site while we were talking to reference while we were chatting. So this is one of those few episodes way where the video version might actually be the better version to listen to. But if you folks enjoyed the style of interviewing through Google Hangouts, let me know and I will do this more moving forward. But, you know, here, just listen to the interview. So I'd love to start with a little State of the Union and just kind of like get people a little bit interested in who you are and your, your kind of stance on the food media state of how things are with the internet and everything, especially from a photographer's perspective, right? Because you've been in the biz for a while.
1: Definitely. Um, so in my opinion, the food industry and the media side of the food industry in particular has gone through a really good evolution throughout the last, I would say, 10 years. Um, I started in the industry about 10 years ago. Um, It's like, it's kind of right at the beginning of that, which was really good. And, you know, I developed a kind of a niche for myself that was very in the food industry, telling the food stories, restaurants, chefs, makers, farmers, whatever it may be, you know, photographing them throughout their whole journey, whether it be the portraits that, that I'm doing or the documentary work that I'm doing with them. Um, or just sim- simply the plates or the cocktails that I'm shooting. Um, so I've been doing that for about 10 years. I've been in the city for 10 years. <clears throat> um, I've been an assistant, worked my way up through the photo industry, um, was a producer for a while. Um, and then about seven years ago, I went full time and i have been shooting on my own ever since. Um, and
0: was that, that was the start of... New York City food photographer food photography
1: actually that website came along so my main website is just Um but NYC food photography was for me a marketing opportunity um, I saw the website available and I had an offer to me and I picked it up and it's kind of this it's just yet another outlet for people to go to I also have cocktailphotographer.com. photographer.com mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know just to it's great SEO as well so
0: totally totally so show right up there with Google so yeah. take it take it back take it back for me when you said that you would start by photographing for these makers and and chefs and people with food was that something where they would need photography services to market their stuff or you wanted to build your own portfolio like tell me like take it back and, and dive a little bit deeper into that so to go all the way back
1: um, I actually got my start uh, I was doing fashion for a while and documentary work for a bit um, didn't love the fashion industry um, A friend of mine Simon Glenn uh, had a pop-up shop and he was like start, he was starting a catering restaurant and asked me if I could photograph his menu so I was like, oh yeah why not how hard could food be to photograph And then I realized right. it's, it's very hard to photograph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but people loved what I was shooting, and people liked the style that I was shooting in. Uh, so I threw away my fashion book and took about you know two or three weeks to photograph different places around the city that I wanted to photograph. Um, so I went to them and was like, "Hey, like, let me photograph some, you know, this, this, and this. I'll, I'll give photos to you just for me to build my portfolio mm-hmm. and send it out there, and started getting jobs. Totally. Um, yeah. So I mean, marketing has always been. Forefront of my uh, of my business, making sure that I am getting in front of the right people and shooting the right kind of jobs that I want to be shooting.
0: And was that the uh, the reasoning behind taking all the fashion stuff and just saying saying no way with it because you're never going to have a fashion person ask you to do food stuff?
1: Uh, I think in the photo industry in general, you need to have a specialty. Um, obviously, I could photograph fashion. I can photograph, you know, portraits, I can photograph whatever. But to have an identity for yourself, you have to kind of, you know, just like a chef, you know, do you cook? Is your restaurant, you know, Italian or is it French or is it Brazilian, you know? And Mm -hmm. what is your identity? So that's kind of what how a photographer looks at it and what do they want to cook for the long run.
0: Right. right. Obviously,
1: they could go to any event and cook something else. Mm So Mm -hmm. same, same thing.
0: When does it get to a point, though, where you feel like it actually becomes or maybe it doesn't ever get to this point and you feel like there's no value in it, but does it ever get to a point where it's valuable to have that like hyphen in your thing where it's like, well, Brent does food photography through the lens of fashion or he's super inspired by fashion or like I think about certain chefs who um have that fusion element to it, right? Like where, where does that weigh in for you if it does, or maybe it doesn't?
1: No, it definitely does. I let's see. So to have those influences, I think is a good thing. And I mean, music for me influences me every day food influences me. So I think bringing it back to like where I started in fashion, I wasn't happy with it. Um, and I suck. I kind of loved the chef industry in itself. Um, you know, working on a fashion shoot. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that do it, and probably that will be listening to this as well. Right. Uh, more power to you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fashionable myself, so therefore, totally. fashion isn't for me.
0: But the love's not there.
1: Exactly. Much, more, much
0: I, more love with the food.
1: I love food, and I love cocktails, and I love to work with chefs and make them happy. You know, just kind of that collaboration effect.
0: Yeah. So that's super motivating for you then to remain engaged with the food and. Continue to pursue it because is there is there a point where you stray away from the projects that start to feel like like what part about it uh, with food would make it start to feel like that with fashion for you I I did a um, I helped cook the food for the first class menu for Alaska Airlines the other day and I had a friend message me where it was like how bad was the food styling? Was it like a uh, lard ice cream and phone picks holding up the food? Like what, what, does it ever get to that point with you with food? Or do you like the raw unedited kind of like a la minute?
1: So back in the eighties, I think there was a lot of that, like lard and like glue and cereal and things like that. Um, I actually try to have a very real approach to food photography, especially if I'm doing advertising with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, you know, if we're shooting noodles, we're shooting their noodles. Uh, for shooting, you know, Campbell's soup—it is Campbell's soup. Um, so there are ways to dress it up, always, um, to make it look the best that it possibly can. Uh, but that just means a lot of attempts and a lot of product on hand and that kind of thing. Uh, I actually like that I photograph portraits, plates, cocktails, and I think that diversity alone gives me enough diversity in my day to day. If I had to shoot for one client that was consistently one thing. I think that might be a hard challenge for me right. just because I don't have that diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had to cook just tuna for the rest of your life, Yep,
0: you'd probably Sweet. get bored of
1: it about a year, a year in. <laughs> right,
0: right. Do you think there's any value, if there is anybody that's listening that ha- it wants to start in um, photography, or I-, I guess it would be any creative field, would you advise them to take uh, this thing that you love, that's fashion, and apply it to food or you know whether it's hip-hop or like i was i had a meeting with a chef the other day who did a uh, a tasting menu all inspired by the food that tupac and biggie loved and he like elevated it to an interesting level like is there any value in that to you would you advise people to do that or the specialization route is much more effective to kind of make, breaking out in the way the internet is now
1: you know i think there's a, a to, for anybody who's getting started like right away if you think photography is what you want to do, or if it's something, and there's tons of opportunities around photography that you can also do, you know, food styling. If you are a chef and you're and if you're good at food, you know, food styling is something that's is needed. Um, there are a lot of people in the photo industry, and it's getting diluted really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a saturated market, becomes you know it's a lot more it's a lot harder to make a living. Right. Um, and it's not all glitz and glam and, you know, eating free dinners and things like that at all. Um,
0: I mean, you're in the client service business, right? Exactly. Like, that that comes with just as many cons as it does pros, I guess.
1: Exactly. You know, if they're not happy with one photo, that could ruin the whole shoot. You know, mm-hmm. so you have to really con- constantly be, you know, looking at your own work and making sure that you're up on the top of your game. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'd say for anybody who's getting into something, experiment with a lot of different things, and look at where you are, and have other people look and take criticism. You know, um, I do. I, I review people's work all the time. Um, I take interns on, and we talk, you know work together. And a lot of people come to me and say, "Hey, I'm a chef, and I want to be a photographer." And I'm like, "Great, but like, look at your stuff. Right? Like, are you happy with this work?" Like, is this your best work? Sure. Um, sure. You know, I always make sure that they're thinking of how to do it better, how to do it the right way, you know, how to explore that, you know, whether it's just do a test shoot, you know, go into a kitchen and say, you know, approach a friend who, you know, cooks or something to that effect and just shoot some stuff and see if it's fun. Um, Yeah, I had a, my last intern that I worked with, she came to me wanting to be a food photographer and I was like, dude, you're good at food, but you're really good at architecture. Got it. So I was like, just this epiphany moment, I was like trying to push her into it. And she loves loves it now. and She's doing that. So
0: More power. Yeah. More power to that.
1: Yeah. She and- had this Instagram that was just had like stunning like rooftop stuff. And I was just like, dude, like, why are you going into food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is your calling.
0: But it's so hard when you're in it, right? Like when you're in it and you've like committed to yourself that you're going to learn to do food and then it's like you you kind of put the blinders on right and you're oblivious to these other things that you might or may not be really talented at or have an eye for in your case yeah
1: I think that's just you know testing it out and being open to other opportunities as well
0: right, come along right. The way. do you have any stories that when you back back when when you started when you would do certain things like do you have any stories that are either funny or kind of like maybe horror stories about back when you started I I think about like odd jobs that I took as a cook where I'd like show up like the, the cliche story of like showing up at the back door and being like, Hey, can I work for you? Do you have any stories like that? Where you would kind of start for, you know, working for free or like,
1: so my first like kind of big break into the, uh, the food realm was, was a free job. Um, I did it for quite some time, uh, but it was content and it was, you know, good access to different chefs. So, um, I approached a friend who's a writer, and she was working for Serious Eats at the time. Um, And I approached her to wanting to do a hot chocolate recipe thing, like pitching a story to a client. Um, And we pitched it, and nobody kind of picked it up. But then she was like, you know, she came along and was like, hey, like, what do you think about doing, like, portraits and plates of New York City chefs? And I was like, okay, sure, let's shoot some.
0: When was this? Can you put it on the timeline? uh,
1: This was—I mean, this was pretty early on. This was in like 2003, maybe even maybe uh, 2000—not three, excuse me, 2012. Um,
0: And how long was that from leaving the fashion thing? And like, where was that in the food saga? Were Were you doing it for like a year or?
1: So I assisted and came in, like, moved to New York. I started assisting all different fashion photographers, learning the light, understanding, you know, the digital aspect of it, you know, all that, all of that, and just like kind of, you know, stodging in a sense. Right. Um, and that was for about three, four years, and then I started like diving into my own stuff, shooting when I could, um, and then kept picking it up more and more. So that was kind of right in that transition period of, you know, shooting fashion for some things, and then I was like, ah, uh, this isn't, like, this isn't it. So.
0: It's going kind to of trade, yeah. So,
1: yeah, I think that was, Serious Eats was probably my, you know, work for free type of thing, but it still got me into, you know, I photographed probably at least for a year and a half with them once a week. You wow. know, it was only, you know, it was only like an hour at a time, but we got into, you know, 75 plus different New York City chefs. Got to photograph a ton of, you know, ton of stuff and I got to introduce introductions by doing that, you know, it's my first cookbook, for example. So.
0: Awesome. So there's a quote from, um, Grant Akits that says something along the lines of you do, you do a job for money experience or uh, connections. Do you feel like that job, the reason why it was so valuable is because it had like two of the three, which is like super rare to find where it had like you got a ton of experience and you made a ton of connections?
1: I would definitely agree with that. I was, I, was, I say the same thing to people as well, you know you're either in it for the money. It's either good for the money or good for the exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the exposure for that one was, was something that I was really proud about. Um, as well as I had full period of freedom as well which doesn't happen that often Um, you know so that was you know people do test shoots all the time and if you're doing a test shoot it better be something that you want to shoot and that you're spending your time wisely on because if it's your resources and you're actually putting money up to do the shoot then you know you might as well make it something you need in your book.
0: Sure when at that point did you decide that you were going to either stop working for free or it was, it was time to move on. And it was, what was that turning point? If, if there was one,
1: I don't think there was an exact point. Um, you know, I still will work uh, pro bono for some places. Um, you know, I, I still do a few trades, but it's very rare that I do that now. Um, it's gotta be somebody that I really want to help out and I really want to, you know, that I, that I feel inspired towards, but at a certain point, you know, the jobs were coming in, so it just kind of flipped. And I had to, you, you know, you are the value that you make yourself, that you set yourself. So if you don't value yourself, then nobody else is going to value you.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I did want to talk about that for a second. The You have this amazing portfolio now. Where are you at with those with that? Where one thing is a certain point where it's like, this is a passion project, and this is something that I'm really excited about. And then these are projects that just pay the bills. Is there a ratio that you're experimenting with or that you're comfortable with right now?
1: Um, there is always an ebb and flow of that. Uh, I think the passion projects, you know, don't pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But I do them, you know, to drive marketing aspects. Got uh, it. people love to see what you're doing personally. Right. Things that you're experimenting on, things that you think are interesting. I mean most art producers and ad agencies are going to go look at your your personal projects over anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, the the balance of like the day to day jobs that I do just for the money or, you know, I, I try to approach every single job that I do with a sense of pride and I want to make sure that it's good because I mean, it's my, it's my lens behind it. It's my Mm -hmm. eye behind it. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, if I'm not confident enough to put my name on it, whether it's on it or not, you know, that's, I always want to be proud of it. So.
0: Sure. And that's really important is how, uh, did you, do you have any experience with saying no? I mean, I'm asking, this is kind of a question, a selfish question, because it's my own personal thing that I'm running into with having to say no to certain things. Do you have any advice for that and what you say no to? Because like, sometimes it's a paycheck but it's not as high as a paycheck that you want, but it's also yeah. like maybe the exposure is there, but you don't know if the exposure will actually be there. Like, where do you have to say yes and no? And
1: there's a fine hard. line, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a fine line there that if you don't want to say no, up your rates. Sure. So it's worth it then at that point. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you know say, hey, I'm, I am, but it's, you know, this isn't the right job for me. I am willing to do it for you, mm-hmm. but this is the, you know, that way it's, it's worth the money. Mm-hmm. at that point, and I I do say no to jobs every once in a while, uh, not every once in a while, quite often, um, just because there isn't a value in it for me, and they don't understand the budget and what photography should cost, and that's, I mean, it's it's a hard thing, because most photographers don't talk about money, mm-hmm. um, they don't like to talk about money, the budget idea is just like, uh, well, I mean, everybody's always negotiating, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it's always a back and forth,
0: so. right? That's my uh, favorite. Uh, I'm in the city of Chase Jarvis in Seattle, and that's uh, that's one of his favorite things that he actually took from another person. Where it's kind of like you want to give them the rate, and you you don't want them to say yes right away, right? Like you exactly. want them to be like, "I have to go talk to my manager. I really want to work with you. Like we'll get that sorted out, and then we'll come back and say yes to that rate, right? Yeah, like that's the per- that's the ideal scenario. Uh, when you take on a project now, what are some of your goals that you have now that you've kind of like carved out your own niche? Uh, is it to kind of grow your um, portfolio or is it more connections now? Or is it to um, convey the vision of that restaurant now that you're kind of comfortable with your aesthetic and, and that?
1: Yeah, I do have an aesthetic that's, is defines itself within my own edit of my website. Um, now every project that I do, I try to make sure that I'm creating something unique for that place. A good example of that would be I work with Blacktail and Dead Rabbit, which are two, dip, two sister bars that are owned by the same place. Um, and I do both of their, like, both the cocktail stuff for them. I wanted I wanted to make sure that I created a unique identity to Dead Rabbit, who i had been starting with a uh, long time ago. I did their cocktail book a few years back and another one coming soon. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so a little plug there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I – they brought me into the new project, being Blacktail, um, which if anybody hasn't gone to and you want a good bar to go to in the city, it is awesome. Totally uh, down on down on the tip of the island. But you know, creating a different identity for that for, for that bar, not just bringing the same light and the same fe- look and feel to that. So this is Hi. Blacktail. You know, we tried to create. Uh, it's a Cuban Cuban style bar. So we tried to create like a little bit of a dreamier aspect, since Cuba has that kind of. You know, mystical vibe to it. Nobody really knows what it's like unless they've been there, which I have twice. They have a very tropical, you know, Caribbean vibrance to their drinks, fresh.
0: Did you add the lens flare to some of those photos?
1: Uh, no, I try to get everything in camera. I did add a little bit of color uh, uh, to the lens flare. Um, but as much as I try, I try to do it all in camera. A lot of
0: props that you're choosing.
1: It was it was simple things on there that they had in, in the place. So it was like you know, glassware, things like that, and then Dead Rabbit stuff. Sorry, so Dead Rabbit stuff is here, and they're a bit you know they're an Irish bar and they're a little bit more earthy, a lot more rooted with their the whiskey, the flavors that they bring, uh, even the style of the bar has this, you know, very real, like wood quality. So we tried to make sure that, you know, we tell their story through, I mean, obviously we're shooting at the bars. Um, in this case, I want to bring my own kind of lighting flare and touch to them and make it reflect who they are.
0: Question. How does that transpire? Like how does, because I've had, uh, I took a photography job here in Seattle where I was shooting uh, for a restaurant. And again, it was the same. We wanted to make sure we were telling their story and it was just stuff they were going to use for their social media. But they had a very unique, their, their tagline was inauthentic Eurasian food. And there's this guy who was coming from uh, Chicago and he didn't want to be like uh, a Taiwanese place or like a play on Vietnamese or like uh Korean or whatever. He was using all of those techniques. So he called it inauthentic to kind of like protect his, protect his ass from anybody kind of coming and saying, you're not, but you're not authorized to serve rice cakes. You know what I mean? But, uh, what does that process look like for you when you're talking to these people? Like, it seems like that you're justifying your high rate, right? Like you're doing all this research and you're asking them and you're providing props and you're like, um, wh- where did that come about for you? How do you, um, and what questions you ask people?
1: Well, I, I like looking at their, what they have currently, so, um, and kind of to get, just, I like talking to people and getting a vi- their vibe from them. Um, and making sure that you know every chef has a voice so i want to make sure that i'm trying to emulate that voice through my photography as much as possible and that's i really do love the collaboration effort uh that goes into it um that's kind of why why i do food and cocktail photography because you know there's a there is a talent an artist on the other end of my you know photography and they're doing you know they're putting their heart and soul into a plate or a drink and i want to make sure that i'm equally putting up the same amount of heart and soul into the photography that I do for them.
0: Totally. That means a lot
1: to keep going on that question. I like having conversations with people, figuring out them, you know, what kind of music they like, you know, whatever it may be of that might drive their style and might drive who they are and what their plate will look like, you know, or even if it's a new restaurant that hasn't opened yet, it's a lot about, you know, what the style is, what the mood board is, what the you know color scheme is, what the tables are like, you know, everything.
0: Is that usually a sit down conversation or it's something where you're like, you start shooting or you start seeing the food. And because I feel like sometimes a lot of chefs try to tell their story, but then sometimes it gets a weird spin on it just for PR sake. Does it normally happen over the phone or do you, do you strictly rely on the, because at a certain point, the restaurant has to have a very defined concept, and it has to be very Definitely. clear of what what exactly they're trying to convey. Having
1: the conversation over the phone um, or in person if I can, if the time time allows. You know, or if if neither of those can happen, you know, we take five to ten minutes right at the beginning of the shoot and just like don't bring out the camera yet and just look around, feel it out, talk to them, you know.
0: Have you ever thought about recording that? I think that could be really interesting
1: i haven't but i mean maybe never know
0: it could i think it could be really cool uh, but can, was there anything else that you wanted to add with that
1: um no i think that was it i mean trying to just making sure that you understand who they are you know making sure that the their you know the chef's ideas coming through and not like a pr some pr person who's talk, talking and saying like oh we need it to be this like i understand that but the client is the is the shot. So right, you know.
0: right, and it's usually just you on these shoots. I mean, unless you have an intern helping you, you don't have kind of like an agent that you use to reach out to these people, or you're you're doing all of that legwork with.
1: I, I yeah, I rely a lot on marketing. On some shoots, I do bring in stylists if the if they can you know if they want that. Sometimes you know ad ad shoots. Obviously, we can bring in the whole crew. And if the lighting is intensive in us, I bring on assistants and things like that. Um, so yeah, it just depends on the job and the style. But most of the time, it is just me and my
0: camera. A good friend of mine is uh, Bondring Lee, Ulterior Epicure, and all of his stuff is just him. He never, I mean, at least I've never heard of him traveling around with any sort of assistant or anything when he would do shoots at the restaurant that I would work at, and it would just be like him standing on a chair, where's the best natural light? Figuring it out. Boom, that's, his, <laughs> that's his style. And that's, uh, do you enjoy shooting like that? Or do you prefer to have lots of people? Or is there one where you're like, you know, I, if it was your dream thing?
1: You know, I think a good mix is is the dream for me. Because it allows me to, you know, have, have me time and just, you know, relying on myself to do it. And then also that teaching aspect I really enjoy. So bringing on people and like assistants and just, you know, if having them evolve their skill and things like that is also really enjoyable to me. Um, and then on the total flip side of it, of like the ad shoots where you have a whole crew and you have this, you know, already pre like, like this idea that's already kind of sketched out in a sense and like making that come to life and making sure that all of the elements are there. That's like the producer in me that I really enjoy, um, as well. So a good mix of it all.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I mean, maybe it would get to a point where you'd be like, I, 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 cr- I would cringe at the, the thought of having a crew behind behind me or and it's just i just wanted to be me and my camera and maybe one person i was just curious to hear if there
1: was i think my my idea with that with that uh with age will definitely change
0: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> because going around new york city and lugging gear is a pain in the ass
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. that's so funny speaking about new york city is there a best meal that you've had since your time in new york city one that particularly stands out where you're like oh my god
1: my my most memorable is not in new york Okay. Um, so I think my most memorable in New York is probably from Kayo, mm-hmm. um, which is a Laotian restaurant in, the, in Tribeca. Uh, awesome Fett is the chef down there, and he is just a rad dude. He's killing it with the food. Every single time, you know, the spice is just like awesome. Uh, bang, bang Bang sauce is whew, yep. something. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think that, that's probably one of my favorites in the city. I think it's also like you know memories and food and like who you're with and at the time, that all kind of adds to that. So I mean, I've done birthdays there, I've done anniversary dinners there, so it's it's always like a place for celebration for me in the city. Um, As far as like best meal I've had outside of the city, I would have to say, hands down, uh, Willow Inn um, out on the island.
0: Yeah, that's right out here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Lane is just just killing it too. So,
0: what was it about the meal? Were you shoot? Did you get to shoot for him, or did you come as a vacation? I, did, or?
1: I went for vacation, but I ended up contacting him and shooting some at the restaurant. And I actually did a spoon of his as well um, while I was there. And something like there was uh, the tasting menu in general that he does out there was just in like it was a perfect moment with my wife and I. It was, I was at a great point in my career. Things were going forward, upwards. She just got a promotion, I think. And it's like, it's just like everything was right. Everything was going right. And the meal was epic.
0: (laughs) So that Um, just added to it. Oh yeah, definitely. Was there a dish that stuck out that you like still remember? Uh, (laughs) Or maybe something that he (laughs) served you that you've never had? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The bread course with the butter
1: and the chicken dripping sauce. Mm. Wow. I mean it was just bread, but yeah. Some of the best I've ever had. So I mean that's like that's um, so the simple whole, stuff. dinner was phenomenal. Um they did a you know, everything was from the farm, you know. Those equal. experiences
0: are often like that, where it's like, um you can't exactly remember remember the details, you just remember it's that it's that quote, that quote that, that lady says where it's like people won't remember what you said or what you did, they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I feel like that's what you're remembering. Exactly. Like you remember the feeling more so than like the individual moments, I guess. For sure. Uh, what about worst meals? Is there like a, a, a bad meal? you've Like, I mean, I, I've had my fair share of bad meals in New York City. Oh, I
1: mean, I've had my fair share of bad meals, but mm-hmm. I actually don't. I don't try to think about the bad meals if yeah. it is, or especially if I've cooked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I always try to think about what the next thing is and how to make it better if I did it.
0: Right. And just move on. Just move on. Yeah. Don't, forget about it. Exactly. Is there a chef or restaurant that you've always wanted to get access to mm. somewhere in the world? Doesn't even have to be in New York.
1: I mean, yes. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's my
0: um, dream shoot.
1: I mean, everybody from Thomas Keller to, you know, Farron, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, Marco with Alex Alta down in Brazil. Um, yeah. Oh. Mossimo, I mean, any of those guys would be phenomenal. Just because they have, they've really defined who they are and they have such a personality about them Um, and just a pride in their food. I mean, I know a lot of chefs have that, but like those guys are like the ones who I haven't worked with that I really would love to.
0: Is there any kind of ambition or goals that you have to like, uh, work towards that or it's just kind of like if it somehow falls down the pipeline, I'm just going to be really excited about it. You don't have like this laundry list of people that you're reaching out to or being like, Hey, here's my stuff. If you ever want to collaborate.
1: I do. I do market myself in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely have a laundry list of people that I reach out to. Um, but I would say even more so the way that I'm going to probably get to those people that when I want to is through my spoon project. Um, where, I know we haven't gotten into that yet, but it's kind of a way for me to approach somebody that I have an idea that I want to shoot. And it's something that they can relate to as well.
0: Because all chefs have the spoon. Let's, while we're on the topic, let's talk about that. Yeah. You have three of those pieces Definitely. behind you.
1: Yeah. Angle it up just a little bit for you. Yeah, let's, let's do it. it. Um, I can jump into them as well uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, screen share.
0: So uh, while while you're pulling it up, I'll tell this story because this is how we first got in touch. So yeah. Brent and I first got in touch because uh, me and Patrick, who is the artist Dowski, went to Atlanta and we ate at this restaurant there called Staple House. And in Staple House, there is a photo of a Lady Hamilton spoon, which is my all-time favorite spoon, and it's there's it's a it's a big photo. It's what what is the size? Maybe you can. Remember.
1: I think it's a. 24 by uh, 24
0: by 30. Yeah, it's very large. It's posted on the wall in the restaurant, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's crazy!" So we were on our way out of the restaurant. I saw it in like the hallway leaving, and I asked uh, whether it was the maitre d' at the door or the lady who was getting our code. I said, "Hey, who did this photograph, and and how do I get in contact with them?" And she ended up uh, having one of your cards there, which was perfect. Uh, so we were able to take one, and then. I emailed you and we got in touch, but that was my big thing and you have it up on the screen now.
1: Yeah. So the spoonful project, spoonfuls of inspiration is based around the spoon. It's a, I call it an abstract portrait of a chef. Um, so I reach out to different chefs and kind of want to tell their story a bit more. Um, and I ask them to bring their favorite spoon. Uh, every chef amazingly has one (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and if they don't they can probably pick one that they always go to and use um and so basically we use the spoon as an extension of themselves um a little bit about them who they are and then the things that we played around them are things that inspire them of why they cook of who they are within their food um almost personality for them um So I've done probably about 50 of them so far Um, and am going through and trying to figure out what the best way to uh, present this is. And I actually have a gallery um, in Iowa starting. That's where I grew up. Uh, So Uh I thought it would be appropriate to start in my hometown. Um, And then I'm working on a couple different other projects, um, presenting it uh, in Atlanta, hopefully, in New York, and who knows where else.
0: Where in... Where in Iowa? Just out of key- My girlfriend went to Drake, so I've spent a lot of time. I went to
1: Iowa State, uh, right. personally, but I'm from the northwest corner in Lamar's.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there one or maybe a couple that have interesting stories behind them where the shoot was particularly interesting, or you weren't expecting that chef to do that when they express themselves?
1: So I would say Ryan's uh, here on the left, the forger, forgery, uh, the forger, excuse me, um, is Ryan and I met, and you know, he had this idea that we were going to do, and he brought his spoon and he's like, We're doing it outside. And I was like, Oh, well, I have, you know, I usually do it on a white background. Da, da, da. And he's like, No, here's why I want to do it outside. I was like, Awesome. You know, he's he connected to nature, you know, he's finding nuts, mushrooms, edible flowers, everything like that, and just and it kind of made sense. It kind of tied it together in a very earthy quality and very much his personality as well. Right, he's the head chef at Staple House. There,
0: that's the one uh, that I Chris saw, was, and well, in I took a photo of that one, and I remembered it, and I was like, I need to re- reach out to this photographer, and at least I, I the, my, my, my initial plan was just to ask where where it all came from, and because I've never seen anything like this before.
1: You know, I, I always think about. Um, my photography and where I am and things that I want to tell. Um, Make sure that, you know, I'm doing something that I'm happy with that I haven't seen before. I mean, I know everything is kind of like a copy of something else. I think that's a Greenberg theory of art that there is no original art.
0: Yeah, you steal like an artist or whatever they-
1: I had never seen anything in the food realm that was art driven. For me, I really wanted to find something that I could, you know, tell a story with have it be an ongoing project and also be interested